Blog Talk Radio. go. 
Good evening, and welcome to Wisdom Walk Talk here on Black Hole Radio and my YouTube channel, Wisdom Walk 2 Self Mastery. I am your host and guide, Judge Apal Maria and Saroma. And as always, without further ado, I am going to open this channel up by honoring the ancestors. Join me. I always like to start out with my teachers, Maladoma Sabonso Somme from Burkina Faso, Land of the Proud Ancestors. And I also, of course, am thinking about my family members, uh, my mom, my, my father, my grandmother, grandfather, aunts and uncles, um, friends in the community that I grew up in. And so think about who are the ancestors in your life. Give them a shout out and join me as I do this invocation. Creator, Mother, Father, God, Source, all the one, all that is, may the ancestors hear our prayers. Ancestors, 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 we call out to you during this first quarter of 2024 and ask you to enable us to begin living our personal renaissance in earnest by remembering and enacting upon our higher purposes during this auspicious and landmark mineral year. Give us the strength and courage to continue to access our higher timeline where we know that what we are seeking is seeking us. Enable us to continue to accept and embrace this new age and new earth consciousness daring greatly to live out our new narratives and knowing that these are divinely scripted for ourselves and for our world. And most importantly, continue to enable us to move forth from the dark ages of modernity by placing our heads below our hearts, valuing people over profits, and always choosing love over fear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I say name. Asheho Asa Shinga Bismillah. So it is. She. So hello again, all you wonderful wisdom walkers out there. You know, February is the first of three fire months in this landmark mineral year of twenty twenty four that will support personal change from the inside out. Yes. 24 is also the year of the dragon in Chinese astrology, considered to be one of the luckiest years for forward movement, both personally and professionally. And this aligns with the numerology of the year, which is the cosmic number eight, as it is associated with success, achievement, and abundance. My theme for 2024 is what you seek is seeking you. And the theme for February is heal with a focus on healing ancestral wounds. And it's one of the five collective commitments that I'll be spilling on throughout the year. So thank you for joining me as I share my wisdom, my insights, and guidance for healing and personal growth development to allow your dreams to come true. Now, for those of you who are listening over the radio, over the broadcast podcast, I want you to know that if you have any problem with your internet connection, you can access the broadcast through this number. It is area code 
5639-3089. Again, that's 563-999-3089. I will be um, always having, you know, this information available on YouTube, which it's streaming to right now. And if you have any questions or comments that you want to give me, you can do that most easily through my Facebook page, which is Wisdom Walk Radio, or my Facebook group, which you're welcome to join, Wisdom Walk Community. You can also go to my website, which is www.wisdomwalktoselfmastery.com, or in the comment section below the YouTube video. But right now, I invite you to sit or lay back and join me for another exploration of the inner landscape where we can connect to our souls and discover the true treasure of being human. Yes, yes, yes. So here's my overview for you for tonight. I'm going to start off with another black history moment. Then I'm going to do a quick review of how historical trauma impacts our health and wellness so that we can jump into these three practical steps I have for you about healing ancestral wounds. And then I will give you a personal growth opportunity, a personal fire ritual. Yeah. I'm going to pause for a minute because I see I've got some comments. I just want to make sure I get to them. I have a Facebook, Facebook user saying, hello, Jojapa. Hello. Hello. Thank you for tuning in. Then I have Q. Hey, Q. Juanita Robinson saying, let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's wonderful. And I'll tell you about her book at the end of the broadcast. So here's my opening quote. For the month, it's from the great Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of love that can transform opponents into friends. It is this type of understanding of goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of old age into exuberant gladness of new age. It is this love which will bring about the miracles in the hearts of men. Ashe, Ashe. Good Reverend Doctor there. Absolutely. Yeah. So a reminder that we are in a mineral year. I, I call it a landmark year. I really think that 2024 will be a year that we'll turn back to and say, yeah, remember when? You know, like 2000 was, 2012 was another one. Um, 208 was another really powerful landmark year. So there will be things that will be occurring that will be contributing to us achieving our, our purpose, our higher purpose in life, and connecting to more of the right people that we need to be connected to. Of course, my theme for this year is from Rumi, What You Seek is Seeking You. And I truly, truly believe that. I truly believe that all the things we feel really called to do, really called to be, that are generative, loving, supportive, kindness, contributing to peacemaking in the world, yeah, those things are looking for us too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so my theme for, 
for February, and it'll be repeated again in the fire months, is about heal. And this focuses on healing ancestral wounds. As it says here, the ancestors don't need you to repeat their journey. They want you to heal from it. This year we are being more strongly than ever. We are being called more strongly than ever to heal ancestral wounds of what was done to oppress, marginalize, stereotyped, and villainize people. Yeah, so there's a lot of support. There's a lot of energy to support that happening. And our job is to know that and to look for that support. We expect it because it, it's real and it's happening. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about Leontine Price. Oh, my God. For those of you who know me that I play classical music, I'm a classical pianist, and so I love all kinds of classical music, including opera. My mother was really big on it, and I think it was because of Leontine Price that she really, you know, got into it. Um, First of all, let me tell you about opera, because opera is considered one of the hardest forms of singing for anybody to do. Opera in general is an art form that's been around for centuries. It was born in Italy at the end of the 16th century, and it's evolved into a highly complex and technical form of vocal performance. It requires a unique set of skills and abilities to master, making it one of the most challenging genres of music to sing. It's also a multidisciplinary genre. And what does that mean? That means that it brings together music and singing and dance and theater and scenography, you know, those great scenes, that the background the scenes. Performance, because opera singers not only have to sing this stuff, they got to perform it. They have to be actors, yeah. Costumes, makeup, hairdressing, and other artistic disciplines. And, um, of course, it is the singers that the spotlight of operas put on, but you have all these other artists that are involved in it. So here's what makes opera so, so um, challenging, because... The singing for for the operatic singers, they have to produce enough wind and energy so that when they're speaking, it's called libretto. So it's spoken words so that when they're speaking, they do it in sync to the music, right? They got to know the music. Um, it's loud enough, <laughs> even though now they'll have microphones. But back in the day, they didn't have no microphones. They have to be loud enough, and they have to sustain it. They have to sustain it. So it's a very, very challenging. And, oh, yeah, and then they have to have a certain range, you know, that they can do. Um, so, you know, opera considered really like a big deal. Like, so it's something like, you know, that only wealthy people used to be able to have access to, you know, it was, if you knew about opera, that meant you were intelligent and you were upper class. It was that kind of thing. So you can imagine that this little black child from Mississippi becoming one of the most famous and most internationally recognized opera singers ever. Uh, Leontine Price, you can imagine what her journey was. So let me tell you a little bit about her, her background of growing up. Her full name is Mary Violet Leontine Price. 
She was born on February the 10th in 1927. She is, by the way, still living. She's a living legend. She just celebrated her 96th birthday. Um, and she was the first African-American soprano. She is a soprano to receive international acclaim. From 1961, she began a long association with the Metropolitan Opera House, and she was the first African-American to be a leading performer. She also appeared regularly at the world's major opera houses like the Royal Opera House in London, the San Francisco Opera, which is a good one, La Scala, which is like the, the greatest, the greatest opera house in the world because it's in Italy, and Italy's where um, opera was born. And, uh, you know, she sang, she sang things just so beautifully. And I really can, I want to encourage you to just look, look her up, listen to her arias from Aida or Il Trovador or Tosca. Um, she did Madame Butterfly. You can see there's a picture of her in costume here in this collage. So more about her background. So what, she was born in Laurel, Mississippi. Her father, James Anthony, worked as a carpenter, and her mother, Catherine Baker Price, was a midwife. They were a deeply religious family. Both of her parents were children of Methodist ministers. Her mother sang as a soloist in a church choir, and her father played a tuba in the church band. She had one sibling, who was George, who was uh, two years younger than her. She showed a natural affinity for music at an early age. She began piano lessons at the age of three and a half with a local pianist named Hattie McInnes. Shout out to Ms. McInnes. Initially, she played on a toy piano, but by the time she was five, her parents traded in the family phonograph as a down payment for an upright piano. Love it. Then what happens is her mother was doing, her aunt was being a laundress to some local white people named the Chisholms. And they weren't afraid of black people, obviously, and they got interested in Leontine's piano playing and her singing, and they encouraged it and they supported it. <coughs> they invited her to do recitals so that she was getting more practice. And they also gave her exposure to classical music they um, helped her be able to actually get to see the great Marion Robinson, who was a beautiful soprano, um, to get a chance to see her. So anyway, with the support both from her parents and these white folks who were willing to be a support to her, despite the fact that she was black. Because remember, this is Mississippi, right? This is Mississippi in the 1930s, you know, segregation, lynching going on. Um, so she was just fortunate. And she eventually, she gets to go to school at Central State University, which is a historical black college in Wilberforce, Ohio. And then as she's there, it's when she gets interested in her music being about voice. And so she gets to go to Juilliard. And she gets help by Paul Robeson, the great tenor and, and actor, stage actor, film actor that he was, um, and raising money, you know, um, the people in her town helped to raise money. So she gets to go to Juilliard. And you need to understand that Juilliard is like the 
at, especially at that time, was the music school for anybody to go to. Like once you get into Juilliard, it's like you're made. Your career is made. And so for this black child from Mississippi, and she lived at the YMCA in Harlem, the YWCA was probably, in Harlem um, while she was going to school. And she comes out, and of course, you know, for any musician, it's going to be hard. But she gets support, and she ends up doing some concerts. She gets to tour around. Like in 1955, she got a television appearance. She became the first African-American in a leading role in a televised opera. She did Puccini's Tosca. So she gets that television audience, right? Then in 1957, she did a performance, a concert performance, with the Philadelphia Orchestra, and um, that was her first public performance of Aida, Aida the play, I mean the opera, which Elton John and what's-his-name turned into a play. Anyway, and then it was in 1961 that she made her triumphant debut at the New York Metropolitan Opera House. Yeah, yeah. So her career was it, it, just phenomenal. I mean, especially in, it was in the 60s when she was really like the diva, the diva. As you can see here, she was on the cover of Time magazine. And you have to understand, again, based on, you know, institutionalized racism, for her to achieve the status of the diva of the Metropolitan Opera House, that's huge. That's not a little thing, not a little thing. So let me just share some of her awards. Among her many awards, she has the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which she received in 1964. She has the Spingarn Medal. She got that in 1965. She was awarded by the Kennedy Center Honors in 1980. She's got a National Medal of Arts, which she got in 85. She has a Gold Plate Award from the American Academy of Achievement, of Achievement, 1986. She has numerous honorary degrees, including an honorary doctorate she got from Boston Conservatory at Berkeley in 2019. She got 13 Grammy Awards, because um, that was the other thing that was really fantastic at the time that Leontine comes onto the stage. It's easy to make record. Records are everything. And so she, record for, she recorded for RCA, and so there's all these records of her work, which is so wonderful. Um, yeah. And so, like I said, she is still alive. She did, she does, she did teaching um, for many years after she stopped doing um, the opera performances. She did a lot of concert things. She would get called on when there was, like, a national – something going on for 4th of July or something like that. I mean, they would call on Leontine Price, and, I mean, she, she's just phenomenal, just phenomenal. So I had to take the time to share about her. I hope you do some looking into her, some listening into her, because she's, she's just she's absolutely phenomenal. And she's, she's influenced so many of the, the new opera stars, including Jesse Norman, um, uh, who's the other one? I'm forgetting, blocking on her name. Forgive me. Did she sing for Lord of the Rings? Um, what's her name? Almost have it, almost have it. I can't remember. Anyway, just a whole slew of people have been influenced by 
lean team price. And like I said, especially my mama, because she, she would teach us on Saturdays, me and my brother and sister, she would teach us about opera and how to love opera and how to understand it, because it, 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 it can be very complex, so you have to understand it. Anyway, thank you for letting me share that. And again, I hope that is stimulating to you, because again, for what she went through, to be in that position, to do what she did, that's not a little thing. That's not a little thing. Yes, she had lots of help, but still, you know, what she took on in being in that position, it was not an easy task. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump now into this work around ancestral wounds. And I want to take you back to what I talked about in the previous video and broadcast about historical trauma's impact on health and wellness. Um, so here are the common side effects, if you will, of what it does to us. And low self-esteem, I love that it's at the top of the list because that's really what it does. Depression, self-destructive behavior, marked propensity for violent or aggressive behavior, substance misuse and addiction, high rates of suicide, cardiovascular disease. Also acute problems of domestic violence and alcohol misuse that are not directly linked to historical trauma may be exasperated by living in a community with unaddressed grief and behavioral health needs. Parents' experience of trauma may disrupt typical parenting skills and contribute to behavior problems in children. And compounding this familial or intergenerational trauma, historical trauma often involves the additional challenge of a damaged cultural identity. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, our job is to realize that in our self-mastery work, we're not just dealing with things that we have experienced, but things that were passed down to us. Yeah, yeah. The good news is the ancestors are always working together to help us heal from their pain. They want us to heal. They want us to be able to get beyond the boundaries of what they achieved or didn't achieve, you know, or whatever wounds and pains that they went through that never got healed, you know, that were never taken on. Yeah. So they're always working for the good. So let me share with you these three practical steps for initiating healing of ancestral wounds. I say initiating because it really is a lifelong journey. Um, there is so much, and stuff goes back so far, so we can't just think, you know, it's going to be done in one ritual, one event. No, it's an ongoing process. And again, the more we do it, the easier, I believe, we make it for the generation's that are coming after us. So here's the first step, and that is to become consciously aware of the cycles of pain in your family of origin, birthed or adopted into. By identifying and accepting how the ancestral wounds have shown up or are showing up among family members will enable you to better understand what has shown up or could show up for you. And I gave you a PGO last week for contemplating identifying those ancestral wounds. 
by looking at what are the relationship, health, work, and financial challenges that are similar among members of your family, adopted or extended, what illnesses run in the family, which of these challenges can you relate to, in what ways are you imitating behaviors and beliefs of the generation before you that don't work anymore. And I mentioned about how in my family, like diabetes was running rampant, and so I was grateful to realize, oh, okay, I have a choice here. And uh, there's a science called epigenetics. So just because your grandmama had it and your great-grandmama had it and your aunties had it, that doesn't mean you have to get it. But you got to do your work. And so I have to change up my diet. I have to change up my lifestyle, really. Um, and I have to look at that pain that contributed to the diabetes showing up, and I have to take on healing that. So that's basically what this first step, and it's an important step, is about. We have to look at, okay, what is it that I am working to heal? What is it I am no longer willing to repeat? Absolutely. So again, as you can see, another great picture of the ancestors sitting around having counsel and saying, yeah, we got to help them. We got to help them. They just need to call on us. We waiting. Did they call? <laughs> you got to call on the ancestors so they can help you. Absolutely. So here's the second step. I strongly encourage you to set a sacred intention for learning to love yourself unconditionally. Remember that that first impact of historical trauma is on low self-esteem? Yeah, yeah. It just like pushes us into the ground. So the second step is the first way to move forward. We have to declare, we have to commit to learning how to love ourselves unconditionally. And even if you think you love yourself right now, I guarantee you there are many areas of your life where you're not loving yourself. Yeah. Deeply embedded wounds create a barrier that closes you off to your true self. You believe that the pain body is who you really are and that embedded, dysregulated, fear-centered behavior is your true personality. And it can show up like I'm bad, I'm stupid, I'm not enough. I can never, you know, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And by saying um, make a sacred, a sacred intention, you do this when you are sitting alone, sitting still and quiet, connecting to your gods, your ancestors, your spirit guides, and other loving entities, whatever works for you. And I suggest you write it down record it or sing it out loud, whatever will enable you to experience making this commitment to yourself, to learn how to love yourself unconditionally, to really understand what that means. Because just having a job and going to work doesn't mean you love yourself. That means you have a job and you go to work. What happens when you go to work and on that job that will tell you how much you are or are not loving yourself. Yeah, because when we give away our power, when we're being victimized or believe we're being victimized in a job situation, something's not right. We ain't loving ourselves. And it shows up in all relationships and things. So this is about really taking on, I'll make it big again, a sacred intention to learn how to love yourself un conditionally, meaning throw away, I got to have the most perfect eyebrows before I love myself. 
<laughs> throw out, um, I have to be the perfect weight before I love myself. Throw out, I have to be making X amount of money before I love myself. Uh-uh. Loving yourself unconditionally is much deeper than any of the three-dimensional behaviors, practices, whatever that you're doing. Those things come, and they come better as you love yourself more. Yeah, but they're not loving yourself, okay? Loving yourself is a sacred experience, and you learn it. You learn it, yeah. It's in us. So I should say we remember it. We remember how to do it because it's really in us. Yeah, you, when you were born, you know how to love yourself. Yeah, something happened, didn't it? Yeah, join the club. So I can't emphasize this enough because unless you take on this step, the nothing else is, is going to work because this is really what healing ancestral wounds is about. It's about us learning to love ourselves. Then, then we're fortified to take on the next step and uh, which is really addressing those wounds yeah and the addressing of the wounds doesn't happen in the way we may think in my experience addressing those wounds has come up in just amazing amazing ways sometimes it happened when i'm looking at a movie yeah like antoine fisher mm-hmm yeah q if you're still listening and you know about that one yeah Absolutely. Took me out. Took me out. Took me out. And it was wonderful. And I was strong enough to be able to watch that movie and have the reaction that I needed to have to grieve, to feel the pain, um, and to release it, to let it go. But I had to go there. Yeah. So we don't know how it's going to come, but we can trust that if we make that sacred intention of loving ourselves, then we're kind of protected, we're coded with, oh, that's why this is happening. It's because I'm learning how to love myself and I'm healing these wounds. Juanita says, yes. Yeah, she remembers. Absolutely. So you don't have to make up how the healing is going to come. This is about, you know, what can I do consciously so that I'm in alignment with it and I'm not seeing it as something bad or something wrong or shouldn't be happening, you know, what, however it comes up, whatever comes up. It's more about recognizing when it does show up that, oh, okay, this is what, this is what I was talked about, yeah, yeah. Because we want to look like this brother in the middle of the circle with the ancestors. We want to look like, you know, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I hear you. I'm following you, you know. We really want the ancestors to, to support us and know that we can receive their support, yeah, and to love ourselves unconditionally. So here's the third step. I love this one. Choose a life-enhancing goal and set a commitment to achieve it no matter how long it takes. Throw out the clock. It needs to be something you've never done before or done in a new way. It needs to become your compass, your guiding light to becoming the truth of who you are and what you can do to be fulfilled, have a happy ending or endings in your life. Isn't that just wonderful? Ah, I just love it. It's so wonderful. So wonderful. 
This is what we need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is about dreaming up who you really are, who you really want to be. What is it that you want to do? What is it that is calling you that you can feel it? Maybe you said, nah, I can never do that. Oh, no, that'll never happen to me. And I don't care how little it is. I don't care how big it is. It just needs to be something that resonates with you that, again, is your compass, your guiding light, and that you're going to move beyond those barriers created by the historical trauma so that you can do this, you can have this. Now, I know for many of us, um, we have already experienced this. We already have gone beyond. So this is about going beyond even more. Yeah. And setting this goal, setting this goal, what is it that you are wanting to achieve? What is it you want to do that goes beyond what your ancestors were able to do? Yeah, absolutely. And so to support all this, my PGO for you is a personal fire ritual. So once you've identified the ancestral wounds walking through the family and you, write them down on a piece of paper. This paper will become part of or it can be the bundle that you will burn in a sacred manner. Whenever I say sacred, that means we're going to call in the ancestors, call on God, call on the angels, right? You're going to open it up that way. Um, you're going to do some invocation. For some of you, you know how to pour a libation. You're going to do that. Um, and then when you're done, you do a gratitude closing out. You thank you, thank you, thank you for what has occurred. Yeah. Write down your life-enhancing goal and place this along with the paper to burn on a simple ancestor altar. That's red candle, red cloth, something that belongs to your ancestor. A picture of your ancestor is nice. But very simple, red candle, red cloth, and you're going to keep it there for at least 24 hours. You can do it longer, you know, use your intuition, however long it needs to be. And then when you're ready to burn the ancestral wounds list, you don't burn the life-enhancing one, you hold on to that. But the wounds list, you're going to, again, call on the ancestor for support. By making this faith gesture, you are giving the universe permission to support your healing and growth process in ways that you can't imagine. Ashe. Wonderful. Wonderful. Ah, it's powerful work. It's powerful work. I'd love to hear back. So don't hesitate to reach out and give me some, some feedback about how this works for you. It's worked for me, so I believe it can work for you as well. Here's my Sarah saying for the month. Miss Sarah said, a time emerges when we realize it is more painful to stay closed than to open freely to life flowering. Woohoo! I love that. Isn't that just beautiful? Absolutely. Well, we have come to the conclusion of this episode, of this offering of Wisdom Walk Talk. And as always, I want to first shout out to my wonderful engineer, Ms. Yvette Parker, and the entire Black Hole Radio Be Well family for their continued support of this platform so that I can be here with you spilling out this good stuff. Yeah. I also want to shout out to all my regular listeners out there and my regular watchers. 
And all of those of you who have wisdom walk with me, and you know who you are, those of you who are looking forward to wisdom walking with me, I can't wait. To my family on both coasts and in the middle of the country, to my spiritual kin everywhere, my transformational leadership colleagues like Ms. Amanda, to my medicine brothers and sisters around the world, and those who may be listening or watching for the first time, thank you. Big thank you. I couldn't be doing this without your loving support. Ashe, ashe. <laughs> now, for those of you listening in on the radio, um, just to say you can have access to my videos on this monthly Elemental Wisdom for February, the Astrology for Self Mastery. I also put out, and that's on my YouTube channel, Wisdom Walk to Self Mastery. Woohoo! Um, and again, you can get notified by going on my Facebook page, Wisdom Walk Radio, or the Facebook, Facebook Wisdom Walk community, or if you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. No problem. And I have some comments here that I want to share. Da, da, da. Great episode, Jojo Pamaria and Saroma. Thank you. Thank you from Facebook. Love it. Thank you so much for that feedback. Oh, Miss Shelby. Shelby, you know I love you. We got to talk. I keep saying that, but we really do. I want to check in with us. Nice to see you, Jojo. I love the history of Leontine. Yes, hugs, hugs. Leontine is no joke. And Priya, have a good evening. I'm looking forward to doing this ritual. Love tonight's show. Woohoo! Thank you for that feedback, Priya. Very, very grateful. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. So I will be repeating this broadcast next Sunday, February 25th, on the broadcast uh, link. And, of course, it will be available on YouTube. My next live multicast will be on Sunday, March the 3rd, which happens to be my birthday. Happy Pisces season. Love it, love it, love it. And then I will be spilling on the third collective commitment, which is move forward. Yes, 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 yes. Shout out to my book, Wisdom of the Self-Mastery, Ancient Wisdom for Transforming Pain, still available on Amazon, Kindle, Walmart, and yes, I am working on the audio version. Also, want to give a shout out to Quanita Robertson and Amy Houghton's book, The Inner Ground Railroad, A 40-Day Journey to Remembering Soul and Spirit, where she uses the dagger of medicine wheel to take you on that journey and help you heal from what? Yeah, ancestral wounds. So this is another good, another good um, resource for you. And again, available for Amazon, Kindle, and all those other wonderful places. Yes, yes, yes. Guanita gives a big, a big prayer hands. I see in the comments. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Also, shout out to Queen Reverend Adara and her Heart for Healing service. It's a non-denominational um, online Zoom for elevating optimal healing levels in your body and soul. She is so channeled and so connected. She is a follower of Jesus Christ like I am. So she makes um, reference to the Bible and she makes reference to Jesus, but she doesn't discriminate anybody who wants to be there can be there. It's absolutely free, and it's on the first and third Wednesday of every month. And you can go to her website, spiritismylife.com, click on events, and that will give you the access link. 
I try to do this at least once a month because she is so powerful in the healing energy she brings forth um, that uh, it, is, it feeds me, it nourishes me. So I hope that you will take advantage of that, of Good Queen Adara. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> and then one more comment from uh, Shelby said, yes, happy birthday on the 3rd. Thank you, thank you, Shelby. Love it. So last but not least, I want to thank my God, my ancestors, my spirit guides, loving entities, everything that walks with me. He's my head to the sky, my feet to the ground, and my heart open to do this important work with and for all of you. So please have a very healthy and safe, and we've got a mineral week starting tomorrow on Monday, connecting with the souls of others through unity consciousness. Now remember, wear those masks. COVID and other viruses are still walking around. Strengthen or maintain your immune system. Practice safe relating. Wash those hands frequently. Avoid perceived safety and embrace science safety, especially if you're in an age group like me that's vulnerable. Yes. And most, most importantly, please, please, please remember that you are not disposable. Why? Because you are divine. Thank you for being here. I'll see you again soon. Good night now. I hope you enjoy Convergence, and, and thanks again for sharing this part of your lives with us. It's been a real pleasure.
Thank you.